Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Happy Mother's Day also to all of the moms. Um, It is a job that is not easy, but it is also a job that is honorable. And so we are thankful for each and every mother that is here. Um, I am excited about the Word of God today. Are you guys excited? I'm always excited about the Word of God, and I'm really excited today because we're going to uh, visit or spend some time with a character that we normally uh, wouldn't spend time with for Mother's Day. For Mother's Day, we expect to hear about uh, Ruth, uh, maybe Naomi, maybe Esther, Uh, but this morning we're actually going to talk about Mary Magdalene. And so I am excited to get into the Word of God. She is an unlikely character for Mother's Day, but you know that God often works in unlikely situations and through unlikely people. And so I'm expecting and believing God today for an un, uh, unprecedented move for each and every one of us that's here. So I want to jump right in. Uh, And first, I do want to give honor, though, to our pastor, Pastor Mark. I just want to say that I thank God for him. And I want you to turn with me this morning to uh, the 20th chapter of St. John. So John chapter 20, and we're just going to read verses 14 through 18. The scripture is, of course, on your screen, but one thing we do ask, whether you're reading from your Bible or your device or from the screen, we do ask that you just stand to your feet. That is just one way that we honor the Word of God here at Link Church. All right, I'll be reading from King James, but of course, whatever version you have is fine, and I'm going to read it in your hearing. The Word of God says, And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, Why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me whence thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. This morning I want to speak to you from the subject, see what you hear. See what you hear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And we are so grateful for your grace. God, we are so honored that you would invite us into your presence. And we are just privileged to be able to sit and glean from your word. We know, God, that we can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. We are grateful, God, because we know that your word brings life. It brings healing. It brings deliverance. It brings salvation. God, we are believing you today to shift us like only you can. We are believing you today for miracles, for signs 
signs and for wonders. And we are grateful for what you've done, but we stand in anticipation and expectation for what you are going to do. We rebuke the hand of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that you would allow me to decrease. Father, that you may increase. And we thank you, God, that your word will not be hindered today, but it will go forth with power and anointing as you will it to be so. And we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, social media is uh, quite a big deal these days. Social media is a, a, a big thing. There are so many ways that you can connect with people via social media. And there are so many social media platforms that I personally can't keep up. So I stick to uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I used to tweet a lot, I think when I first kind of joined social media, but I don't even tweet as much um, anymore because unless it's connected to my Instagram, I don't have a post that automatically goes out because uh, it's tough to keep up. But social media uh, is a powerful, powerful tool. If you ask a lot of people how they found their way to Link Church, they won't tell you it's because of a track. Uh, they won't tell you it's because uh, we were standing by uh, the road and we were saying silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto you. But oftentimes when we see people walk through our doors and we say, well, how did you hear about us? Sometimes they'll say from a family member or a friend. Sometimes they'll say, uh, well, I came up upon your podcast, but oftentimes they'll say, through social media. I saw your Facebook ad. I saw you in my Instagram feed as a sponsored ad. And so social media is powerful because you can find your next job on social media. If you're a business owner, you can find your next uh, intern or employee on social media. Uh, how many people have tried restaurants or desserts because of social media? Uh, I remember uh, just recently I put together uh, with a friend, these uh, vases that had uh, flowers in them, but we used uh, pasta sauce jars, washed them out, uh, decorated them, and put flowers in them uh, for an event, and we got that idea off of Pinterest, which is another social media platform. You can follow people on Pinterest, you can pin uh, an idea, and so social media is so powerful that one of my most recent friends uh, is somebody that literally lives halfway across the world. I just met her in person back in January, but I had been conversing with her for about three years before we met. She was halfway across the world, but somehow our accounts kind of um, started interacting with each other, and she's into women's empowerment. She's a woman of faith, and so we started um, conversing, and I'll never forget, uh, we met in January to talk about my business, and I, and I said to my parents, hey, pray for me. I'm going out of town um, because I, I'm going to meet somebody uh, for my business. And they're like, wow, that's great. You know, uh, is this somebody in Charlotte? So I was like, well, no, um, she's in Texas at the moment, uh, but she's from West Africa. And they were like, so how do you know her? And I was like, well, Instagram. And my parents, um, they'll both be 71 this year. Uh, and so they were like, so you know her from where? And I said, from Instagram. They were like, so 
you've not met this person before, you've not conversed with them on the phone, uh, you're going off of the profile and the conversations you've had for the past three years, and I said yes, and they said, and you're gonna get on a plane and have this meeting with somebody that you don't know from Adam. I said yes, and they were like, and is your husband going with you? I said no, because he's unavailable. So they were like, oh, you know, my mom, uh, she's a woman of faith, but just like any other mom, because she didn't grow up in that type of generation, to her that sounded bananas. And so I think she uh, prayed harder than normal because she wanted to make sure that when she turned on CNN that night, my face didn't pop up. She was nervous. Woman of faith, but nervous, and rightfully so. But I say all of that to say that, you know, we had gone into the meeting prayerfully. I knew it was something God had set up, but it was because of social media. Without social media, I don't think I would have met her because how could I? She doesn't even live on this continent. Uh, but God used that medium to uh, connect us. And so God will often use uh, mediums and unlikely circumstances to connect people or to get his purpose done in their lives. Uh, and so social media is one of those powerful tools. A lot of people love social media. Some people live on social media. I myself have often had to take social media uh, breaks and times where I detox because uh, sometimes if you're not careful, you'll be scrolling and you say, I'm just gonna quickly look and see what's going on in the social media world and it could be 9 a.m. and it could be 9.30 and you realize you've not done anything else except for like, share, comment, subscribe and you don't know where your time has gone. But social media as nice as it can be and as powerful as it can be, can also have a darker side to it. Uh, social media can not only be the place where you find your next job or career move or intern, but sometimes social media can get you into actual serious trouble uh, because you don't always or often know the person on the other side of that phone or computer. Uh, people often use social media also to hide these days. I think that people are a lot more bold now than they were even when I was a child. Uh, because I've seen people on social media post a picture and um, they'll say, hey guys, trying out a new uh, you know, hairstyle today, what do you guys think? And most people will say, oh girl, it looks nice. But I've seen people comment and be like, girl, no, that is not your style. Nope, that hairstyle is not for you. Nope, that hair color is not for you. I've seen people get unsolicited advice uh, on social media. If they post, hey, I'm having uh, for breakfast oatmeals with sliced banana, and then here comes all these people that say, well, you know, banana's not really part of keto. So um, if I were you, I would really eat, um, and it might be, I don't follow keto, so I don't know. But, but it's just an example of how people will use it to even criticize, uh, and young people are even using it to bully um, other young people. We've seen one too many stories of young people who literally take their lives because you have others who will go so far as to create fake social media accounts and taunt and terrorize. And social media not only can be a place where you can either grow or uh, on the flip side be harassed, but it is a place where if you're not careful, you can become too hard on yourself and the progress that you've made in life. I had uh, somebody that I used to follow on Instagram, and I remember I had to unfollow them rather quickly, not because I hate the person, it's someone that I don't even know personally. Um, but I noticed on that person's Instagram, they always had a post about how, without saying it in so many words, how wonderful they were. 
So it was like, you know, today, uh, as usual, my kids had a breakfast of steel-cut oatmeal with just the right amount of bananas and berries. Uh, and they had almond milk, not cow's milk. And uh, for snack, I'll be giving them a green smoothie. And I'm like, well, I was rushing today. My kids had Chick-fil-A drive-through breakfast, but at least they ate. Because that's the kind of morning that I had had. This person would say, oh, you know what? I was craving donuts the other day. But guess what, y'all? I didn't eat them. I made myself a mango banana strawberry smoothie, and it curbed my sweets. I said, well, I went to Donut House because I, too, was craving donuts today. But I didn't make a green smoothie in order to curb that. I actually went and got the donut that I was craving, and that's what satisfied me. But, you know, it was like literally every day it was this post about, you know, that was kind of like, I'm up here. You guys are still kind of down here. Oh, you guys are still eating meat. Yes, we are still eating meat, and we're happy, and we're going to heaven happy because we're filled with meat. My, uh, uh, you know, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Yes, I am eating meat, and I'm proud. And, you know, and so it wasn't that what they were doing was wrong. They could live their life that way if they want to. But it was once you got to a point or get to a point where you're making others uh, potentially feel like, however, your lifestyle is not up to par with mine. And I said to my husband, I think I literally have to unfollow this account because I find myself getting irritable. Like when I would see those kinds of posts, I would find myself sometimes saying, man, you know, Maybe I shouldn't have done Chick-fil-A breakfast. My kids are like, no, you should have. It was good. Um, and, and so the problem with social media is that you start to live your life based on what you see. And often what you see on social media is a facade. Now, I'm not saying that every account on social media is fake and that every person on social media are, is posting things that aren't true. There are some really inspiring people to follow on social media who have great quotes, great recipes. Uh, maybe they're into fitness and they have great things for you to check out. So I'm not saying that the entire thing is a facade, but there are a lot of people who are posting uh, images that would make you think that their life is up here when really they might be at your level or lower. And it's not that you uh, rejoice in that fact, but it's that it's a reminder that everybody is still human. But you can go by what you see. And the dangerous thing about living your life by what you see is because there is often more uh, that's going on than what meets the eye. It is why the Lord told us not to walk by what we see. He told us that we should walk by our faith, but not by our sight. Because he knew if he ever permitted us to walk by what we see, chances are we wouldn't take another step. If we walked by what we see, chances are we would be filled with more doubt and fear than some of us already have. Chances are if we walked by what we see, then we would find ourselves depressed and emotional and wondering what in the world is going on. And that is why God said, don't walk by what you see. But if you're not careful, you can get caught up in walking by and living your life by and judging your own progress in life by what you see. And so here we have Mary Magdalene. Now, to set the record straight, Mary Magdalene uh, is sometimes um, erroneously portrayed. Uh, sometimes she is talked about as a um, prostitute. 
Sometimes uh, we'll even hear people wrongfully kind of equate her to being the, uh, the woman at uh, the well. Uh, and she's not the woman at the well. Uh, and nor does the Bible tell us that uh, Mary Magdalene uh, had a, men, uh, a problem with men. What the Bible does tell us, though, is that she had seven demons and that the Lord had cast those demons out of her. Not one, not three, not five, but all of them. She had been completely delivered and completely set free. Uh, and so the thing with Mary Magdalene is that if you're walking around, I can't imagine the torment with one demon. But imagine the torment she must have been enduring with seven Imagine what her mind must have been going through on a daily basis. Imagine that when one or two or three go silent, you think you're okay, but the other four are still talking. The other four are still putting you down. The other four are still making you do crazy things and think crazy thoughts. And what is interesting is that in the Bible, when other people are delivered or set free from things like demons or illnesses, we often get a detailed account of their deliverance. With Mary Magdalene, we never see a fully detailed account of her deliverance. What we get in the Gospels is uh, the fact that the disciples tell us, or the writers of the Gospels will tell us, that Mary Magdalene had seven demons and that God had delivered her. So Mary Magdalene is, is, is delivered of her demons, but on top of that, she is walking closely with Jesus. One of the Gospels talks to us about Mary Magdalene and other women who followed Jesus, who supported his ministry financially and in other ways that they could uh, be of service. And so Mary Magdalene is somebody that you know for sure, if nobody else knew what Jesus looked like, she would know. She had had an intimate encounter with the Lord. So even if uh, he had gone to the marketplace and she had lost him for a few minutes, she'd easily be able to recognize him once she saw him because she'd be able to say, ah, there he is. I know exactly who that is. That's Jesus. That's my Savior. That's my Deliverer. Uh, if you were to be able to talk to Mary Magdalene today, I think she could give you detailed description of what Jesus looked like in the flesh. She'd be able to tell you <clears throat> details about his complexion. She'd be able to tell you details about his height. She'd probably even be able to tell you about the texture of his hair, right? She'd be able to tell you uh, what his teeth look like. I imagine that they would be straight, but she'd be able to give details on that, right? She'd be able to tell you uh, what, whether he preferred um, his pita to be crispy around the edges and soft in the center or just soft all the way around. She'd be able to tell you which disciple got on Jesus' nerves the most, right? Because John always lets us know that he's the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? But she'd be able to say, well, that's what John said, but there were times when, trust me, he was plucking the Savior's last nerve, and he would have a lot of nerves because his patience is unprecedented. None of us have his patience, but she might be able to say, yeah, but sometimes John really did get under the Savior's skin, right? She would know him because she walked closely with him, she had seen him face to face. None of us in here, though we may have had uh, intimate encounters and moments with God, we've not seen him in the flesh face to face. So here Mary Magdalene is able <coughs> 
to walk out her faith because of what she sees. See, God even told Thomas, Thomas, you believe because you saw me. But blessed are those who have believed on me and they haven't seen me. Mary Magdalene had seen Jesus. Uh, and so it might be easier for her to follow God now than if she had to follow, I mean, then than if she had to follow him now. Because she literally walked side by side. She had rubbed shoulders with him. She had seen him. And so in those instances in our lives, it's often easy when you can see God to believe God. We love to call Thomas doubting Thomas. I would never doubt the Savior if I had been in Thomas's era. The point of the matter is you don't know what you would have believed or how you would have felt because Thomas is here seeing God literally uh, raise the dead, but then he doesn't raise himself or so Thomas thought. It looks like his body had been carried away or maybe Thomas was like, why didn't you even save yourself? You could have come down uh, from the cross at any time. And so what is it? What is it about seeing Jesus and not seeing Jesus that makes the difference? Well, many of us are like Mary Magdalene. And by the way, this absolutely has to do with our sermon series shift. We are getting there. This is the third installment, I believe, of our shift series. So many of us are like Mary Magdalene. We've been walking with Jesus for some time. And we've seen him in certain situations in life. We've seen him in our happy times. We've seen him in times where we've been sad. We've seen him in times that were challenging. We've seen him in times that maybe were a little bit easier because you go through seasons. We've seen God provide. We've seen God make ways, open doors, shut doors. And so it's easy to believe God when you have seen him. But that your walk becomes a little more difficult when you start to experience life and encounter situations and you feel as if you actually can't see God. I mean, that must have been difficult for Mary Magdalene to get to a place uh, where she felt like she would, as usual, run and, and be able to find him run and be able to see him, run and just be able to lay eyes on him. Sure, he had told her that he was going to resurrect himself, but we can tell from the text that she went there actually expecting to see a body. She expected to lay eyes on him once again. But now, here she is in a difficult situation, and all of a sudden, the Jesus that she's always seen, now she can't see him, now she cannot find him. What happens when you get to a point in life where you can no longer see Jesus? And you say, God, I know I'm not supposed to walk by sight, but at least if I saw you, I'd be able to carry on. Because here's what happens to Mary Magdalene. She goes to the tomb and she finds it empty. And she looks inside and she can't believe what she's seeing or not seeing. So she runs to get more disciples to tell them, hey, I went, his body's not there, we got to do something. And so Simon, Peter, and John, they also go uh, with her back to the tomb. Uh, but even after John and Simon, Peter look in the tomb and say, okay, we know what's going on here. Mary Magdalene is still there and now she's weeping. Now she's upset. Why? Because she's looking into a tomb. She's looking into a place that represents death. She's looking into a place that represents 
represents grief and sorrow. She's looking into a place that represents pain, a place that represents fear. She's looking into a place that's dark, but she also felt like since this place is so dark and so hard and so lonely, I must be able to find God there. But now she's looking into a place where all of these things and all of these emotions are happening and now God is nowhere to be found. How do you survive if, as a mom, the child you've been praying for becomes more wayward than before you even started praying? How do you, as a parent, endure seeing your child ill? And it seems like now that you've been praying and fasting more, they're getting more ill. How do you, as a spouse, continue to fight for your marriage when it seems like now that you're going to counseling and now that you're praying and reading the word of God together, things are actually getting worse? Now that you're facing a tomb, now that you are facing darkness, now that you are facing health issues, now that you are facing insecurity, now that you are facing what you believed are broken promises by God himself, because it looks like maybe God has broken his promises to you. You're facing financial difficulty. You are in mental turmoil. How do you look at that and say, well, I usually I can find Jesus, but how do you look at all of those situations and now, now the one time when you need him the most he can not be found that is what happened to Mary Magdalene and so now as we go further down into the text that we read we see where Jesus asks her hey what's going on why why are you weeping why are you crying And the Bible said that she turned and supposing him to be the gardener, she says, hey, if you know where they've taken his body, let me know and I will go and retrieve it. And this actually bothered me because I said, this is Mary Magdalene. This is not someone that had an encounter with God one time. This is not somebody who maybe had been in the crowds where he had healed or where he had been teaching and didn't get a close um, look, because back then, you know, there was there was no device or anything else to help you see him. If you were in uh, those multitudes and you were towards the back, you wouldn't have gotten the best glimpse of him. Um, and but this is not Mary Magdalene's case. This is the case of someone who had an intimate encounter with God. This is the case of somebody who had rubbed shoulders with God. This is the case of somebody who had seen him face-to-face. So it really messed me up when the Bible says, and she's supposing him to be the gardener, asked where was his body. Why would you ask the very person that you claim to love and be so close with where they've gone? Why didn't you recognize him when you looked at him? Why didn't you notice that that was him when you saw him? Shouldn't he have looked recognizable enough for you to say, you look a little different, but I know that that's God? No, she didn't recognize him. And that messed me up because I said, but wait a minute. Certainly I know that he probably looked better than he did uh, when he went into the tomb. 
but he should have been recognizable enough if he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. If he does not change, why don't you recognize him? And I started to really pick this apart, and I realized that some of us are like Mary Magdalene. We go through trials in life, and we are bold enough to declare that God is not here, that God is not there. Why don't we recognize him? For two reasons. Number one, I believe Mary was, number one, so overcome with her own grief and her own sorrow, and her own dismay, and her own doubt, and her own disappointment that God was standing right in front of her and she couldn't see him because she was too overwhelmed with what she was going through to recognize that God had actually never left her situation. He had been there the entire time. But Mary was not in a position to shift because she wasn't in a position to let go of the pain and the fear and the doubt that plagued her and so now here is God standing right in front of you and you can't see him because you're too much into yourself and what is going on with you and you dare to say that God is not there is it that he's not there or is it that you can't see there's a difference. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God said, lo, I'll be with you even until the end of the earth. So it can't be that God is not there, but it could be that you can no longer sense him. And you can't sense him because he's coming to you a little differently than he used to. Mary was used to seeing the Jesus pre-crucifixion, pre-resurrection. Now she's in front of the Jesus post-crucifixion and post-resurrection. It's not that he had completely changed himself into this blonde hair, blue-eyed, six-foot-two, Hulk Hogan-looking figure, but it was that she was used to seeing him in such a way that when he shifts now and shows himself in another way, she's not in a position to see it. Because sometimes God will appear to you, but not in the way that you've always seen him appear. God will sometimes appear to you in a dream. He'll appear to you in a vision. And so now if he wants to appear to you in a worship song, you miss him. Because God, that's not how you talk to me. You talk to me in visions and you talk to me in dreams. I feel like you may want to say something to me in a worship song, but that can't be you because that's not how you talk to me. So that's the first thing, is that Mary was too overcome with her own uh, grief that she could not see that just because God had slightly shifted, he was actually still the same God. It's just that he had made a slight shift. And we often miss the shift in our own lives because when God shifts, we don't shift with him. God moves here, we stay here. God moves all the way over there, we still stay back here. God moves forward, we are stagnant. God goes to the left, we go to the right. Why? Because God, you've always taken me to the right and I don't want to go to the left. I don't feel comfortable going to the left. So I'm just going to keep going right. And you wonder why you miss him. So he appears to her a little bit differently. We're so used to saying, God, I'm expecting you in an earthquake. I'm expecting you in fire. I'm expecting you in wind. And God is saying, but what about my still small voice? I don't have to come to you in every 
uh, form that you're used to. Nor will I come to you in every form that you're used to because I'm God and you will never completely figure me out. I will never let you completely figure me out. That is what God says. Every time you trust me because I've uh, proven this to be true, every time you think you know what God's going to do in a situation, every time you're bold enough to say, I know exactly what God's getting ready to say, exactly what God's getting ready to do. Mind you, it's not because he said that's what he's going to do. You're saying, oh, I've been walking with him long enough. I know how he's going to fix this. And you'll turn around the next day and be like, whoa, so not only is this not fixed, but it looks like it's not going to get fixed the way I was thinking. Right? Number two, the reason why Mary missed Jesus is because, to be quite frank, she wasn't expecting him. She wasn't expecting him, not in the way he came to her. She would not have gone to the tomb if she had really believed that he was going to resurrect himself. If she was 100% sure that he would not be in that tomb three days later, she wouldn't have gone looking for him in the tomb. Maybe she would have gone to the area, but the Bible says, the Bible lets us know she looked in the tomb. So I said, not only is Mary too overcome with her own grief and pain and disappointment that she thinks they've carried his body away or the fact that he even died, but now she's also not uh, catching him because she doesn't even expect him. You can be in so much turmoil that you stop expecting God to show up. And God is saying that You have to expect me to even be in your situation. It's not your complaining that's going to invite me into your heart. It's not your complaining that's going to invite me to empower you uh, as a mom to do what needs to be done for your children or your family. It's not your complaining that's going to shift your situation. It is your expectation. It is your faith and your works. Mary did the work by going to the tomb, but she was lacking in the faith because she had no expectation. So by the time she turns around, here it is, Jesus is in front of her, but because she doesn't expect him, she's like, that can't be him. Not at this point. My uh, situation is too far gone. What I'm experiencing in life is too difficult. What I'm going through is too hard. What I feel is too painful. God can't possibly show up here. And so before you know it, you are walking by what you see. And you don't expect God to show up. So God knows, okay, he could have easily said, Mary, it's me. Or he could have easily said, Mary, look, my hair texture is still the same. He, he could have said, Mary, look, I, I, I look restored now, but, but my complexion is the same. Or he could have said, look, I'm, I'm still the same height. Or, or he could have said, look, my teeth are still, I'm still a crest kid. Look, look at my teeth. But he didn't say any of that. He, he could have bent over backwards to, to try and prove who he was. But the Bible says that he simply said, Mary. And that was powerful for me. Because, see, when, when he goes to Thomas, he, he shows Thomas what he needs. He's like, okay, Thomas, here's, put, put your hand there, put your hand here, here, here we go. Right? Because that's how he chose to deal with Thomas. That's what Thomas needed. But with Mary, he doesn't go through all of the different ways why, here's how you should, why you should know it's me, because of X, Y, and Z. And remember, we used to laugh and joke about it. He simply said, Mary. And she reacts by saying, Rabboni, which means master. 
That's interesting because if anybody else in the garden had said Mary, she wouldn't have reacted that way. But now God has shifted Mary from a place of just seeing God to a place of now hearing God. Because if you can't hear God, you are in a terrible position because you will have times in life where you cannot see him. There will be times in life where he will be nowhere to be found if you're looking for him with your natural eye. But if now you can open your ears and hear him, that's where you will find him. You will not find him in wind. You will not find him in rain. You will not find him in fire. You will not find him in an earthquake. You will not find him by the way you used to find him. It will not be in a dream this time. It won't be in a vision this time. You won't find him because uh, he doesn't allow your lights to actually get cut off this time. You won't find him because you're not late on your rent or mortgage this time. This time you're going to have to change and you're going to have to shift and you're going to have to be able to hear him. I am thankful that God said my sheep hear my voice. I'm glad that I know the voice of God because if I walked by what I saw versus walking by what I hear, I would have stopped walking a long time ago. I would have given up a long time ago. I would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. But even when what I see in Link Church, what I see in my life looks opposite, I walk not because of what I see, but because of what I hear. See what you hear. Don't see what you see. When you see what you see, you see with your eyes. Your natural eyes. But when you see what you hear, you are allowing the voice of God to navigate you. We don't have the luxury of having Jesus here in the flesh to say, follow me here, follow me there, stand still here, move forward there. You've got to know the voice of God. We have been talking about shift over the next uh, couple of weeks. We've got two installments left. And a couple of weeks ago, you probably took a shift card and wrote down what you're believing God for. But God told me to tell you, you're not going to get a shift if you have no expectation and if you are too overwhelmed with what's going on in your life to recognize that I don't need you to ask me to come in your situation. I need you to hear what I'm saying about your situation. I'm already standing beside you. You're at the tomb. I'm already there. You're in financial heartache. I'm already there. You're praying for that wayward child. I'm already there. You're waiting on a shift. I'm already there. I'm waiting for you to catch up and hear what I'm saying to you. God wants you to walk by faith. Walk by what you hear. Faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. If faith came by seeing, we wouldn't have any faith. Because what God says often is totally contradictory to what we see. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. You've got to read your word and you've got to pray to be able to discern between what is the enemy and what is God. Because God will tell you things that will sound downright crazy. He will tell you things that seem impossible. And so Mary now learns. Mary has shifted now. She went from being a woman who could see God to being a woman who could hear God. And if you're a woman in here today, even, of course, our men, but since it's Mother's Day, you've got to be able to hear God. 
Notice, notice. God didn't even appear to those disciples, uh, Simon, Peter, and John, the way he appeared to Mary. Because I believe that he has a special place in the kingdom of God for women. But you've got to be able to know his voice. So she recognizes his voice, but she doesn't stop there. She calls him master, and she goes back to tell the other disciples what she just encountered. God wants you to hear But after you hear, he wants you to use that voice to proclaim what it is you've heard. Who knows what those other disciples might have faced or experienced or believed had she not been willing to lift up her voice. If you want to see God shift in your life, you've got to not only see what you hear, but you've got to speak what you hear. And one day what you hear and what you speak will become a reality, will manifest, will be become uh, what God said it would become, but you've got to take some steps. You've got to, yes, it's okay to say, God, I invite you into my finances, but really God is omnipresent. Unless you're doing things to say, well, I don't want God here, because sometimes we can block him out and close him out, but unless you're doing things like that, he already knows what's going on. He's already there. But he's saying, stop looking for me where you found me last time. Maybe here we are at the third week of our shift series, and maybe, just maybe, you've not experienced a shift yet. It could be timing, or it could be because you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking. You're not taking the time to say, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? You're not taking the time to close your eyes and say, God, Where are you in this situation? What is my role in this situation? Because I know you're going to do what you have to do. What do I need to do? But instead, you're frantic and you're looking. You're looking for him where you always found him. And God is saying, but I am not a God that can be found in the ways that you always found me. The woman with the issue of blood was uh, healed by touching the hem of his garment. But uh, there's a blind man who was healed not by touching the hem of his garment, but because God put that mud, that spittle on his, on his eyes, right? Then another person is healed because, uh, Naaman, because he dipped seven times in the Jordan. God is saying, I am the same God. I healed all of those people. But if you expected me to ask every person to dip or every person to get something on their eyes or every person to touch the hem of their garment, you would have missed me. I do the same thing for everybody. I am not partial to my children. I heal Whoever I'm going to heal, I deliver when I'm ready to deliver. I provide for my children at the right time that I need to provide. But how I do it will differ, and you will miss it if you say, well, God, you delivered so-and-so this way, so that's how I'm expecting my deliverance. You'll miss it. And so now God is saying that if you are ready to shift If you're ready to experience a shift, there are a couple of things that you have to do. And one of those things includes getting out of your own head. What's in your head? All sorts of things. Thoughts about, why am I going through this? Thoughts like, God, when are you going to take me out of this? Thoughts like, I'm tired or I'm overwhelmed. 
Uh, maybe for you, the thought today is, I'm just stressed. Maybe the thought for you today is, I, 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 I thought I was going to enjoy motherhood, but I'm not because the most, it seems like the most I do for my kids, they, they get worse or they are unappreciative, right? Um, maybe someone is listening to this message and you feel like you have tried everything. And so now the thought is, well, it is what it is. Maybe God will deliver me, maybe he won't. Maybe he'll heal me, maybe he won't. Maybe he'll move, maybe he won't. So the first thing is to get out of your own headspace. The second thing to do is to ask God to give you a spirit of expectation. God is moved by your faith. He's not moved by your fear. He doesn't want you to be fearful. And when he sees you fearful, it's not that he is okay with you being fearful, but it also, that's not really what moves the needle either, right? He's not like our natural parents. A lot of times, natural parents, we see a child scared. We do what we can to get them out of that situation because we don't want them to be fearful. God says, no, face it and get some expectation. Face your tomb. Mary had to look into her tomb. Before she recognized that Jesus was there, she had to look into her tomb. Simon, Peter, and John, they looked into the tomb. Maybe you've not shifted because you won't face your tomb. Because you might be afraid of what you actually might find. But you can't shift into a next season of your life if you won't face the skeletons and the bones that have been plaguing you before you got to where you are now. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. So if you're ready to shift, it's time to face your tomb. But unlike Mary, expect Jesus to meet you there. It's not just the gardener that's there. It's not the angels that are there. Jesus himself is waiting right by that tomb to deliver you and to shift you. And I know that usually on Mother's Day, you wouldn't think we would be talking about tombs and Mary Magdalene. It seems like a, a, a message for right before or right after the Easter season. But it is always an appropriate time to bring up something like this because guess what? Even if you are not a mother in the natural, God has called everybody in here to birth something in the spiritual. So what is it that you have to give birth to? What is it that you have to do in order to see God shift? Face your tomb. Have a spirit of expectancy and know that God doesn't want you to just see him. He wants you to hear him. When you hear the voice of God, that provides more strength than him performing a miracle right in front of you. It really will. Sometimes we feel like, well, I'd believe God more if I could see him do some of the miracles in person that, that he did uh, back in Bible times. Not necessarily. How many people saw him do that and they went to their graves not believing? But when you hear the voice of God, and guess what? When God is getting ready to shift you, he is very personal. He becomes one-on-one -on -one with you. He didn't say to her, hey, lady that's followed me for some time. He didn't say, hey, daughter, 
He didn't say, hey, even, even on the cross, he didn't call his mom by her name. He said, woman, behold thy son, son, behold your mother. But when he's talking to Mary Magdalene, he says, Mary, when God calls your name, your situation shifts and changes like you've never seen before. He could have easily called her delivered one. He could have easily called her the one who used to suffer. He could have easily called her a daughter. He could have even called her friend. But he called her Mary. And today God is calling you by name because he's ready for you to shift. And he wants to make sure that you don't miss him. And so to ensure that you don't miss him, he doesn't call you by your situation. He doesn't call you by your past. He doesn't call you by even what you want to see. He calls you by name. He calls you by your name. He says, Vanessa. He says, Miss Jean. He says, Osei. He says, Rohan. He calls you by your name so that you can recognize that it's him so that you can do what needs to be done in order to shift. God is calling you by your name. See what you hear. Glory to God. Oh, God is awesome. You can stand to your feet because I'm ending it right here. But there's somebody in here today. You're here at Link Church not because it's Mother's Day. Not because you had nowhere else to go. There are plenty of churches to go in Charlotte. You're here because God is calling you by name. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org. Dot org.